There are no such things as limits or obstacles, only opportunities. Step into the greatest version of yourself because what you do matters. Shift your narrative. You're listening to Opportunity Makers, where entrepreneurs come to take their purpose-driven business to the next level. Here's your host, Jim Padilla. Hey there, so good to see you again. So glad to have you here. And I think I'm saying good and glad at the same time, but it's all good. Um, I'm really excited about what we're talking about today. Uh, we've been in a, in a discussion about growth, about technology, uh, about opportunities everywhere. And obviously, if you are here, opportunity is what speaks to you. And you are an opportunity maker. You are the person that sees what's possible. You're the person who can bridge the possible to what's actually happening so that you can be the solution for your clients and be the answer to their prayers, the cure for what ails them, and be the person who's in the know. And discussion today is, is about technology and AI and how does it fit in? Because like it or not, you're in the AI game. If you are dealing with technology of any kind, you are likely uh, in, dealing and engaged with AI on a regular basis. And most likely you don't even know it because all the technology companies are trying to leverage it to their benefit so they can serve you, so that they can stay competitive. They don't even have a choice. And uh, today's uh, guest expert, Joel Stolte uh, with Daily AI, he's got a incredible track record pedigree in the tech side of things. He's been in the AI space for, for a, a while now, and he's worked with people like Tony Robbins, Peter Diamandis, uh, Joe Polish, uh, and many, many more. He's exited a, a couple of different companies that have been very successful. Uh, he understands business. He understands entrepreneurship. He understands the journey that you're on and how technology and AI can enhance that journey and doing it in a way that is fear-free, Right. We don't want I don't want you guys jumping into this because you feel like you absolutely have to. I feel like that's too much of that going on. I want to encourage you to take good steps in that direction. And, and Joe hits on something really, really clearly in here, too. It's not just about learning it. It's about engaging it. Once you have an experience that's going to deliver that outcome, you now have something you can sink your teeth into because you now have tangible feedback. I tried this and I got that as a result, right? Here's what I did. Here's what I got back. It's called feedback, man, and you need it. You don't get it from sitting around thinking about it or just reading things and learning. You do by jumping in and checking it out. So I don't want to hold you from this. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Make sure that uh, you let us know what your thoughts are. Give us your comments and your and your feedback. Uh, let us know what else you're, you know, are, how are you feeling with these interviews? How are they doing for you? And what else can we bring you? What do you want to know? What do you want to see that's going to give you the inspiration and the clarity to go out and take advantage of all the problems around you? Find your lane, jump in with both feet and start solving problems and become the ultimate opportunity maker, solving problems for you and the people that you care about right? We will see you on the next one. Jump in and enjoy the episode. Here we go, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing episode. So glad to have you as we bring to you all of these amazing entrepreneurs with that are just thinking differently and changing the world at scale. And uh, it's never, never a dull moment around here. And I'm never surprised at the level of creativity and effectiveness that we keep coming across some amazing humans. And no uh, no exception today with Joel Saltine. You just heard the official intro. Joe, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about you from your own lips and you know why you're relevant in this conversation? Yeah, happy to do it. And first of all, Jim, thank you for having me here. It's an honor to share my journey and hopefully we can inspire some people to you know, see a, a bigger future 
for themselves than they have for their past. So, um, yeah, my background is really simple. I uh, actually grew up in a farm town of less than a thousand people um, back in the 80s, uh, lower middle class family. My family didn't know anybody that had money. We didn't even know anybody that knew anybody that had money. So business and money, the whole thing was very foreign to me. Um, I was very blessed to, to run into some excellent mentors in my life. And um, as part of that journey, um, I had a mentor that worked for like a big management consulting firm. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing. And I started my career in that space, spent a couple of years at Microsoft and corporate America. But I woke up one day and I just realized like, this is not my calling. This is not, this is not what I'm here to do. I, I mean, I was doing well. I was making more money than I'd ever made. And I'd finally met some people that made some money. But, you know, I had friends that were starting incredible businesses. They were talking about changing the world and these, these huge aspirations. And I was, you know, like sitting behind a corporate desk, you know, and it just didn't match. My aspirations didn't match my reality. So I took this giant leap of faith. I left like a quarter million dollar a year job. I moved from Seattle to L.A. And I just started what I do now, which is building and selling tech companies. And so I'm a five-time founder. I've had three successful exits. And uh, as many exits as I've had, I've had maybe twice as many failures, both for, at the company level or just catastrophic losses along the way. And it's always fun to like give out the highlight reel. And I think the mistake a lot of us make is we compare our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. So I just want to say right off the bat, like I've been blessed with good mentors, great opportunities, a lot of hard work, found some good success, but I have a, my behind the scenes is just as terrible and crappy as everyone else's. And so, yeah, I, I don't want that to get lost as I give you my sort of self-aggrandizing intro here. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's a great story. And, you know, let, let's unpack some of that. Uh, you talk about some, you know, catastrophic failures. I mean, that's a big word. And um, I think I think a lot of people over accentuate things these days. We use a lot of hyperbole and stuff. But when you use that term, you know, what what is the you want to give an example of one and then how do you recover from that? Like how do you how do you recover from a catastrophic failure and then say next? You know? Yeah, absolutely, man. So um, you know, I I told you the story. I left I left Microsoft and I moved from this really comfortable place in my life down to LA. And I just gotten married actually. And so my wife and I moved in a house with like six other people that were all like my co-founders and people we were doing business with. It was like, you know, eight of us. Two, two bathrooms, one shower in Venice Beach, California. And I basically raised, I raised some capital. We had an awesome business that was helping charities raise money or helping uh, big musicians raise money for their favorite charities. And um, it was going really well. And, um, but I didn't know anything about anything, you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't really think about the capital strategy, you know, when you're raising money to drive your business. Um, and we got to our series A and we basically got left on the altar by a pretty prominent uh, venture capitalist. Literally, the, they sweated us out to the last minute. They bought one of our competitors. You know, it was it was a really it was a huge lesson. And yeah. what happened is we we tried to make it work after that, but we just didn't have the capital to sustain the business model. Um, and it got so bad that you know we we had to shut the company. The day I shut the company down, like filed the paperwork and you know turned the whole thing off. Had a like two weeks before we let all the staff go. My wife was still working in consulting and you know she was like on it with a client down in san diego so i was like just bummed out so i was like hey, i'm gonna walk to whole foods in venice beach and just get something to eat you know so i go and you know you go to whole foods and you get the food you put it in the box that's like from the hot bar and i went and grabbed a cold drink and i went to the front to check out and my my credit card declined like i couldn't even pay for my lunch like that was my rock bottom it was super embarrassing i made 
you know, some white lie about, oh, I might have another card in the car. I'll be right back. And I just walked back to my place after that, just with my tail between my legs. Like it couldn't get any worse than this. It, like it couldn't get any worse. But in that moment, I remembered a lesson that a mentor of mine gave me many years ago, which was no matter how great your victory is or how terrible your defeat is, don't spend more than one day celebrating or sulking. You know, get if, if, you've, if you've won big, celebrate. You should celebrate wins. I think as entrepreneurs, we don't celebrate wins nearly enough. But when you lose, the same rule applies. Like don't spend more than a day sulking because it doesn't really add any value. If you lose, don't lose the lesson. You spend so much time living in the story of negative spiral doesn't serve you. So I spent a good day sulking. And the next day I, I got, got back on the horse. Like when one of my roommates had told him the story, he's like, Hey, I'll take you out to lunch. So the next day we went out to lunch and uh, I mean, I'll remember as clear as yesterday, we were in Santa Monica eating tuna burgers. And I said, this is back in like 2013, 2014. I said, Hey, there's a bunch of like older people coming on Facebook. Everyone was going to Snapchat at the time. I was like, what if we started an agency that just helped like older business owners navigate social media? Seems like we could find customers pretty easily. And that idea ended up turning into like a multi seven figure agency that we sold. But that idea was born the next day after my biggest loss, because I just, I just said, you know what, I'm going to start again. And the only way to start again is to just come up with a new idea and get back in the game. Cause I wasn't going to go back and get a job. Like that was not an option for me. So what do you think is the most important part about making that decision? I mean, is it is this a, is this a skill set? Is this a mindset? Is this a, a philosophy? Like how do you how do you approach that? Yeah, um it's, it's I've, I've refined my answer to this question actually. Um I think it's a framework. It's a framework. Part of it's the philosophy, part of it's a framework. And uh, you know, the person that's actually put it best to me is if you know Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach. Yes. I was um hanging out with Dan a few weeks ago uh, with Joe Polish at Joe Polish's mastermind. And, um, you know, Dan said something that just stuck with me. It's like better than I could have said it. We were all having this discussion around like, is AI going to be great or bad? And, you know, Dan said, you know, look, we're actually really bad as humans at predicting the future, but we're really good meaning makers. We're really good at making meaning out of things. So I think if you can just have awareness and just know that, <clears throat> you're probably bad at predicting the future, whether you think it's going to be really, really good or really, really bad. And just realize that everything else that's happened beyond the facts in your life, like you're just telling a story in your head and like, you're the writer, you're the actor, you're the director, and you can change that story anytime you want. And so <clears throat> I think once you know that, you can just flip the switch and do it. It's a, it's a big, bold decision. But I think once you do that, it's, the universe has a funny way of like getting out of your way. When you just make up your mind that, okay, I'm over it and I'm going to get back in the game and here we go. No matter how bad your financial circumstances are, or even in life, you know, I left out this part of the story, but during that time, like my father was dying from cancer. There's a lot of reasons I could have given myself to be like, this is the end for me. I'm never going to make it as an entrepreneur. I'm terrible. I'm an imposter. All, all the things we say to ourselves, but I just decided to tell a better story and attach a better meaning. And fortunately for me that it's worked then and it tends to work when I have my, my big losses, you know, or my big failures, my big setbacks. Uh, yeah, Dan, Dan Sullivan's great. At, you know, I, I, I'm a big Dan Sullivan fan. And uh, one of the best statements or stories that he ever shared um, with, I was at a Genius Network event and he was speaking uh, in the mastermind. And he said that everybody has that, everybody has a change cycle. The smaller the company is, the, small, the faster your change cycle is. But as you grow things, you, you're never making a decision today that's impacting you today. It's in that, you know, yeah. it happened to you today were decisions you've made previously. And he said, 
the, the, the best, the most successful leaders are the ones who can look when you have a fire that happens, the perspective should be, that's an interesting shade of orange. I wonder what created that instead of, oh my God, there's a fire because that fire already happened because of stuff you did previously. It didn't happen because of something you're doing right now, typically. Uh, I, lo I love that perspective. And one of the reasons why I love it is I think just if, if like if you're going through a hard time or the, the future doesn't look so bright in your current worldview, I think that um, shifting out of anxiety, fear, frustration, pain, pessimism, jealousy, envy, and shifting into curiosity, like you can't be curious and depressed at the same time. It's not possible. So what I love about what you said, that story about Dan is, you know, you said, well, I wonder what caused that or what, 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 what shade of orange that is. That, that's, a, that's a question. So when you can begin to get back into a space, you're asking powerful questions, being in a state of curiosity, just from a mindset perspective, it's just a more useful um, and if, mindset and it feels good. And, and, and you know, in some extent, it, it gives you a, a better perspective and a better way to attach meaning to your journey. And also, I think that like this beautiful actual intelligence, not artificial intelligence, but actual intelligence we have between our ears is, is you know, it like activates cosmic Google when you ask the right questions. Like we can't not answer those questions. You ask terrible questions like, you know, like why, is, why does it never work out for me? And how come, how come bad things always happen? Like your brain's going to come up with an answer to that question. But if you ask an empowering question, it just that that level of curiosity shifts your whole frame and your whole state of being. And I think that's another another clue to maybe unlocking a turnaround if you're going through a tough time. Definitely. Now, I love all that perspective. Um, and I'm the same way. A curiosity solves so much. Um, it, it shifts the game. It really helps. Because if you start going into how do I solve this problem, giving yourself a subconscious activity by asking questions versus saying, you know, oh, my God, there's a fire. Now your brain's just going to freak out because it's trying to figure out how to minimize you, protect you from, from danger and all this other stuff. But, um, let, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about, about AI now. I mean, tell, talk a little about your company. And then as we're engaging the economy and the world today, 2023, as of the date of this recording, there's a lot of fear and doubt and concern, trepidation. People don't know what to do. They're unsure of decisions that you should be making. Now we've got this whole AI crazy thing that people don't know what to do. How is AI part of the solution? And, and you know, you give a quick, could just give a little bit more about what your company's doing and then, and then share some of that. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so today I'm the CEO of a company called Daily.ai, and we use uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence to help thought leaders and small brands create AI automated email newsletters. Um, so in these newsletters are extraordinary. They get between, you know, a 40 and in some cases a 70% open rate. Um, which is two or three or four X what normal open rates are for marketing communications and newsletters. And you can send them every single day if you want to. The click-through rates are also very high, uh, in some cases up to 25%. And um, it's just been this really powerful vehicle to solve this really painful problem that, that most of us marketers and sales professionals and entrepreneurs have, which is, you know, how do we, how do we handle the middle of the funnel? There's lots of strategies for getting leads, buying traffic, doing SEO, et cetera, whatever that is. But once we have them, how do we continue to add value, let them know that we care about them and, and make their lives easier without being expert content creators? Because creating content is, um, it's really hard. Well, it's, it's not actually really easy to create content nowadays with AI. It's really hard to make really good content. And so what our newsletters do is we don't actually make new content. We go out and find the, the top 1% content in your market on topics that your audience cares about. We package those articles up and we summarize them in your voice or in the or in your brand voice, right? And then we give them to them every single day. We put your content and your ads in there. 
And that allows you to basically stay in touch with your market every day, every week, every month, whatever cadence you want. But that, that, so that's what we're up to today. Um, but let me just say that AI is, is definitely one of the most transformational technologies that I think we'll encounter. I think quantum computing, which is a different conversation for a different day, is going to be maybe bigger or as important. But as far as AI is concerned, you know, when, when I sold my last company and I started asking around, you know, hey, what, what's, the, what, what's out there and who should I meet and who's working on something interesting? I got introduced to my one of my current business partners today, uh, Dr. Peter Diamandis, and um, him and the other business partner, Evan Pagan, had a, a, a prototype, a working thing of, of what we sell today. But it, but the whole thing just got my head into AI. This was back in 2021, and I I immediately saw that this was going to be, this is going to change the world. You know, I think even the CEO of Google was like, you know, AI is more important than, than electricity or fire to our species. And I, when I saw that quote, I thought it was crazy. But if you think about it, I just want to give a model for how to think about AI and why this is super exciting. Yeah, please. Yeah. Let's go back to another revolutionary technology that changed our species, electricity. Think about what life was like before we had electricity. How do we communicate with each other? How do we get around? Right? We got around on animals that pulled things. Or we got around on foot. If we wanted to send a communication to somebody, it was face-to-face, telegram, maybe carrier pigeon, maybe smoke signal if you were from a certain tribe. Right. But it was very difficult. Like the electricity opened up all this incredible stuff. Right. It used to take something like a couple of weeks to get a, a piece of physical mail from uh, the East Coast colonies to the West back in the day before there was electricity and even longer to go back. And now we, we kind of take that for granted. We just completely changed our lives. And so what happened is everything that didn't have electricity got electricity and that became a multi-million dollar business model, multi-billion dollar, maybe even trillion if you adjust it for inflation, right? But things that didn't have electricity, had electricity, boom, there's, a, there's an industry and a business model. Well, the reason why AI is so exciting is because Kevin Kelly, the editor-in-chief of Wired Magazine, said something really fascinating back in 2016. He said everything that can be electrified can be cognified, meaning everything with electricity can have AI in it. And that's the, that's the same pattern, right? So you want to know what the next hundred or thousand unicorn startups are going to be? It's going to be adding intelligence to things with electricity. And it's already been happening if you really pay attention to it, right? So everything from washing machines, right? There was a, we used to wash our clothes on a machine with a foot pedal. Then we got the first electric washing machine in the 60s. A few weeks ago, I was in Japan. I threw my clothes in a washing machine in this flat that we rented. And it's just, you just put the soap in, you put the clothes in. It knows if it's darker lights. It knows if it's delicate. It knows how long to run the washer. It knows when to turn the dryer on and how long to run it for and how to be energy efficient. That's all AI calibrating in real time. Um, and I could go on and on and on and, and talk about all these examples from cars to cell phones to cameras. All of these things all use AI. Even the phones in our pockets that we take photos, we think we're the best photographers in the world. You know, you take a picture, the phone's actually taking like eight pictures and using AI to stitch it together, right? So AI is already embedded in a lot of things that we do. And if you're looking for a reason to be optimistic about AI, there's so many more reasons to be optimistic about it than there is to pursue the Skynet or the sky is falling or evil robots are gonna take us over perspective. Um, there's going to be a lot of abundance that gets unlocked long before those threats become fully expressed or if they ever become fully expressed. Yeah, that's great. I love, man, that's that's really good insight. And it, it, I've been talking to a lot more people who have been around the AI game and in the conversation longer. Most people have been in the AI conversation for like 30 days, 60 days, you know, <laughs> six months. But then, you know, some people have been around it for a bit. So you have a, you know, a bit bigger perspective. And 
that's you that's half the battle with facing fear right if you just have some knowledge some understanding some insight and it it, it melts the fear there's no reason to be afraid now you just have information you got to make decisions um how how do people go about making a decision about ai when they don't really know anything about it yeah well i think first thing that i would do is i would use that mental model what if there was no electricity would you use something with electricity or something with no electricity Think about if you were buying a car when cars first came out. The first cars didn't have electricity. Then they got electricity and that it opened up something amazing, which is like headlights. So now we can drive at night. So if you're buying a car, you're going to buy one with headlights or one without headlights. So at a basic level, just know that if you are in the Western world and you're using computers and phones and you're listening to a podcast, you're already using AI. You use AI when you select what to watch on Netflix or what to buy on Amazon or your phone, or there's probably a dozen of devices you're already using AI. So rest assured, it's already making your life better. But if you're looking for that edge in terms of what's been uh, really emergent over the last nine months, which is generative AI, which generative AI is actually a little bit of a misleading term. Artificial intelligence is an umbrella term and it, it encompasses everything from the computer vision that drives my Tesla to the generative AI that is used by things like ChatGPT and, and several other things. I think what it's important to know actually is that the, the generative AI that's making all the, you know, you see people making uh, images and uh, using things like ChatGPT to get uh, text created, that's machine learning. Machine learning is basically, if you give it three inputs, can it predict the fourth output with a higher and higher degree of accuracy? That's it. So there's lots of different kinds of AI. So if, if I was just listening to this, I was like, man, how do I use AI or how do I think about AI? The first thing is just know that AI is inevitable the way electricity was inevitable. Secondly, know that it's mostly going to make your life incredibly easier. And the third thing is that these tools are incredibly accessible. Right now, for I think for free, you can still get a ChatGPT account. But for something like $11 a month, you can go have a back and forth conversation with a, with like what, what, what approximates a super intelligence. I mean, it is, um, it, it's not it's super intelligent. It's not sentient. I don't believe that. But what, what the level of uh, synthesis that it's able to do, I mean, just, just opening up, go to chat, go, go on your phone, go to the app store, get chat GPT, download it and start playing with it. Instead of using Google, use that and just watch the results that you get back. We can talk about some of the downsides and what to look out for, but if you're thinking about using it, the best thing to do is just put, you know, jump all the way in the pool. Don't put one pinky toe in, just cannonball in and and figure it out. And the sooner you start doing that, you're going to start learning how to make this um, an extraordinary tool in your life. So that's one thing. The other thing is you can also work with a handful of services if you're a business owner, and I'm happy to talk about those. Um, but I think learning is not does not come from reading and memorizing like we're taught in school. I think learning comes from doing, getting up the experience curve and figuring it out. So if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, put both feet in the pool and just get after it. Just start using it anywhere for fun. And then you're going to immediately see 10, 20, 30, 40 ways you can use this in your life and your business uh, in a variety of ways. So before we we wrap up here, and, and I'd love for you to share some information about your service and how people can get access to any information that you, you know, any, anything you offer to get people more down the path, right? Um, what do you see as the biggest mistakes people are making in the marketplace to not take advantage of the opportunities that exist right now? Yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people are making in the marketplace, specifically when it comes to AI, is um, they're very focused on outputs instead of outcomes. What do I mean by that? It's like, if you've ever gone in to one of these apps and typed in some words and it made a picture for you, 
or you typed in ChatGPT, you know, hey, write me a write me some marketing copy on X, Y, and Z, and it spits it out. And you're like, wow, that's pretty good. And it took like 10 seconds. You get kind of high on the novelty and dopamine of the output, but what you lose track of is, did you get the outcome? Did that get the click? Did it get the attention? You know, did it, did it get you where you were trying to go and the outcome you want in your business? I think it, most of the time, it, sometimes it can, but for a lot of times it does not. Why? Because it's missing actual intelligence, it's missing that data and tracking, did it work or not? Like just because the AI makes something for you in two seconds doesn't mean you shouldn't test it. That rule still applies in our businesses, right? Um, and so I think that's the big that's the biggest mistake I see is people are, are really getting high on the experience of outputs and they're not they're losing track of the outcomes. So you know if you're thinking about using AI or thinking about a vendor in AI, I, focus on one that gets you an outcome. Outcomes are more important than outputs. Outputs are fun, but they're they're about as useful as watching Netflix. So just know that when you're playing around on those tools and you're getting stuff out, it's cool and you might be learning something, but it's about as useful as watching, you know, Game of Thrones or something. Yeah, I was on a um, on a podcast this morning about AI for sales, and I was sharing that we we've created like a board board of advisors, so, you know, so to speak, inside of ChatGPT. Uh, you know, our CMO, my spiritual advisor, business coach stuff, and giving it some personas with some context that if I have questions for you, here's the frame I'd like you to answer them in, et cetera. So it just, it enhances the conversation, but it's my business. I'm not, they're not making decisions for me, right? They're just giving yeah. back and input. And I think people get very too excited about those things, even from humans, you know, if you give me yeah. that piece of insight on the planet, you know, I don't just go make decisions in my business accordingly. I got to make take that and and put it up against something and and research it and see does this make sense, right? Unless there's something specific to you, personal to you. So everybody needs to be taking that and and not just trusting the like you said the outputs. So that's yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and I think another another thing that I've learned that's uh, really really helpful is um, think about. Here's two mental models of how to think about AI. If you're already using a tool like ChatGPT or something similar, I like to think about them as like the bread on the sandwich. It's good to get things started and get an idea going. And then it's also good to finish it. Like if I've got a, a finished piece of copy or a pitch deck or a sales letter or, or banning cart email or anything, I, I will give the model context, right? And then I'll say, you know, using this framework, using like the inversion thinking mental model, give me five reasons why this isn't going to work. Or give me five ways to make this better. You know, and then they gave it back to me and I'll eyeball them. And usually two or three of them are awesome. And so I'll go back and make some edits before I ship it off, right? Or I'll ask the I'll ask the chat GPT or whatever tool I'm using. We use different tools in chat GPT. And I'll and, and I'll say, hey, well, you know, if, if you said that I could have defined the problem statement better, then I'll go back and say, great, well, how would you define the problem statement to make it stronger? And in the out the output it gives me may not be the final thing, but it helps me think about it. So that's one mental model. I call that the you know, the sandwich mental model. It's good for the bread on one end, the bread on the other, everything in the middle, you should do yourself. And the reason why is the second mental model is like today's functionality of AI, which is by the time this is even published, will be dated because it's, it's, it's expanding and growing and becoming more capable exponentially. But today's AI is even with very good prompting is basically a good intern. Now, people might have their own proprietary models, and I'm sure there's folks like Palantir, they'll, if they heard me say this, would laugh, but we don't have access to those tools. I'm talking about the tools that we have access to today. It's helpful to think about it like a really good intern. You wouldn't ship the intern's work to the client. You'd always check it, always. 
you'd assume that there's something wrong. It's just an intern. It needs to, it needs more context. The reason why is these models are, they're, they're general models. I mean, they take all this data on the internet and they're general. So you have to really compress it down to your contextual situation. And that's why when it, when the outputs come out, it's really important for you to use your intuition and go, oh, is this, you know, apply your humanness to it. And then the human plus AI is where you can really start to unlock an advantage, but don't assume the AI is smarter than you. Don't assume it's going to give you something better than the best humans. Um, it, it will dramatically improve your situation, but just think about it like an intern. It's like hiring or like, like a Harvard MBA is an intern. Like they're still just an intern, right? They don't have the experience that you have. Yeah. Uh, and also I've, I've seen examples. I'm, I'm sure you've seen more that of cases where, you know, chat GPT or is coming up with false information, like literally lying, like give citing yeah. cases here. This is the example. Here's my sites. And you go, you click on a link, like that place doesn't even exist. And the thing didn't happen, but it made up, it made up, it gave you what you asked for basically. Yeah. Well, and you know, because it's not, it's not sentient. It's not, in, it's not actual intelligence. It's just machine learning. It's just trying to guess the next best output. That's it. And so like, and, you know, there's certainly ways that you can um, engineer your prompts to get some of that out of there. I think they call those hallucinations. They start making stuff up. You know, recently in the news, there was a lawyer who got in trouble for, you know, submitting, um, you know, case histories that didn't exist and these kinds of things. So th th I think that's where you get into trouble. If you're researching and looking up historical facts, big problem, big problem for a number of reasons. Number one, it hallucinates. Number two, the model that you're using has the biases of the company that created that that come with the answers battery and batteries included and maybe you agree with those worldviews and maybe you don't but they're in there and so you know like you, you there's no substitute for great judgment and discernment and just following your other senses like the things you know to be true logically the things you know to be true intuitively and of course there's no substitute for did it work Right, like, like, did, did it give me the outcome I wanted? And actually, sometimes it, it it surprises me. A lot of times, it surprises me, but always I check. You know, did it give me? Did it move the needle? Because if it didn't move the needle, then you know, we got to go back to the drawing board. Well, I, I so much good information, and you're clearly you know well read on your topics and and in the middle of it. So you speak about it with the level of clarity and certainty that that a lot of people don't. So I really appreciate that. Um, you know, so let's talk about talking about outcomes. How do people get access to daily AI and, and what can they expect? And then what's a good way to get started with you? Yeah. Um, well, it's pretty simple. If you go to <clears throat> daily.ai, that's the website, www.daily.ai, no.com.ai. The website's pretty straightforward. Um, it'll get, it'll walk you through all of it. But look, if you're, if you have an email list and you're not mailing them regularly and you have a, a, a product or a service that converts in the marketplace and you're not mailing your audience on a regular basis, we can help you with that, right? 80% of small to medium-sized businesses, that is organizations with less than hundred employees, spend, use email as their primary acquisition and retention channel. And, but the problem is um, they spend one to three weeks to write an, an email newsletter or an email, uh, any marketing correspondence uh, over email, right? And about a third of that time is spent on what? Coming up with what to put in there. So. We literally will take all that off your hands. Um, we use machine learning um, to basically understand your organization. You fill out a survey, you jump on like an onboarding call. We take the transcript from that call. We feed it into our machine learning models and we turn it into a customized newsletter that goes out and curates the world's most interesting information that will be relevant to your audience. Uh, build you a newsletter. All you have to do is like approve the newsletter before it goes out every week and then it gets shipped out. And here's the best part, Jim, is 
we use adaptive learning. It's like having a little machine learning data scientist in the background, looking at what every single uh, subscriber on your list is clicking on, what emails they're opening, when they're opening them. And then it takes that, builds a composite and makes the next newsletter better. So the more your audience engages with the newsletter, the smarter your machine learning personal AI gets. And that's why we get such extraordinary open rates. That's why we get such great click-throughs. It's because the AI is doing all that adaptive learning for you in the background. Um, and you don't even have to hit send. It'll do all that for you as well. So there's a little bit more to it, but those are the big picture things. It's like, if you aren't in touch with your audience every single week, I think you're leaving an opportunity on the table. And I know that from being a serial entrepreneur. And I just know that how much time and effort it takes to do a good job engaging your market. And what's cool about engagement um, and making content or making content that your audience loves or curating content your audience loves is it is consistency. And consistency creates trust and trust creates transactions. So if you're not consistently in front of your market, you may be leaving an opportunity on the table. And if you feel like that describes you, then we could probably have a conversation about how to help you. So does somebody already need to have a marketing engine? They just need better content? Or do you provide the email copy calls to action and all of that as well? Yeah. If you have an offer, like a thing you sell with a web page, and you have an email list and you're not mailing them regularly and your offer is converting, there's a pretty good chance we can help you. Or if you're a lot more sophisticated and you maybe have like uh, a marketing team, um, like for example, we do the AI uh, email newsletter for Joe Polish's book, right? Joe's a very sophisticated marketer. He has an awesome team. They send out all kinds of mails and communications. We handle the AI companion newsletter for his book. So that continues the conversation of everyone that buys his book in the same topics and allows them to enter Joe's world, you know, click on his offers, get exposed to the different parts of his world through a completely different angle and a completely different style than anything else he's doing in his marketing stack. So even if you're sophisticated, if you don't have a machine learning data scientist checking whatever subscriber is clicking on, that's a huge value add. So we can give huge, huge um, insights yeah. to folks like Joe or the other big publishers that we work with. Data, data matters, guys. Make data-driven decisions. That's how it works. Gets you more qualified book appointments, gets you more sales. That's how that's the name of the game. That's the game we play. It's all about qualified book appointments. And we need every all the resources we can to be able to drive quality and have so much easier to have more predictable outcomes instead of guessing all the time. Cause that's just a crappy way to run a business. So. Yeah. It's a crappy way to uh run your life too, because it's hard to sleep. <laughs> Amen. All right. So daily.ai guys, the, you, you can find it, you know, link will be in the show notes as well. Um, anything else you have any, anything, anything to offer to the audience, anything, any resource, any thoughts that anything you want to send them? Yeah. I, I publish pretty regularly about things like AI and um, various topics in entrepreneurship, like personal development mindset, some of the stuff we started the call with, and you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, Joe Stolte Live at Joe Stolte Live. If you misspell it, Google will autocorrect it. There's only one of those. Um, so you can follow me there. And, um, you know, I, I drop new content pretty much every day. Perfect. All right. So you heard it here, guys. Just lean in. You know, I hope the, the the presence that Joe is bringing to this just gives you confidence. You know, it's it's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, it's just get some education get some experience more than anything else, get your hands on it and start seeing what kind of outcomes can be generated. And then you can make some educated and informed decisions instead of just you know moving from fear or concerns and jump in because the world is waiting, opportunities are out there. The people who need you are waiting for you to get in front of them so that they can find you. And there's a fantastic way to make that happen. So as always, 
appreciate you guys being here. Thank you for being here when you could literally be anywhere else. We appreciate you trusting us to be part of your success team. Go out and take advantage of opportunities, make a big impact and make a ton of money. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Opportunity Makers. If you've heard something that connected with you, please share this episode with a friend or colleague. And don't forget to go to Apple to leave a review. Head on over to GainTheEdgeNow.com to connect with Jim and his team. And remember, there's no such thing as limits or obstacles, only opportunities. Opportunities.